What's up, guys? It's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed listening to Break Stuff, the story of Woodstock 99 on Luminary. Now continuing with our 99 theme, I wanted to let you guys know we've got all new episodes of The Rewatchables 1999 starting back up right now. Since we've returned, we have rewatched Eyes Wide Shut and Election, and up next is Never Been Kissed and many more 1999 classics. So make sure to check out The Rewatchables 1999 on Luminary. And welcome to Ringer Dish on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Alyssa Bereznek, and I am here today to talk about scammers. To do that, I am joined by the New York Times reporter Taylor Lorenz, who covers social media and influencers, and, you know, occasionally a scammer in there. Thanks for having me. Of course. The thing that is on everyone's mind and is on Twitter, um, New York media Twitter's mind in particular, is Caroline Calloway. And I'm sure a lot of people don't even know who that is. So we should start with that question. Who is Caroline Calloway? Well, that's the thing. Not a lot of people even know who she is. She's kind of a creation of the media. Um, She is a 27-year-old blonde Instagram star. She's most well-known for her really long captions. She kind of was one of the first people to really pioneer Instagram as a blogging platform, she went viral initially back in 2015 for her like really long in-depth posts about life as an American at Cambridge University. And then she kind of went dark until earlier this year when she got embroiled in kind of a scandal. Right, right. And the scandal was like she was holding a workshop for creativity. Yeah, so she basically organized this workshop for fans. Essentially, it was a glorified meet and greet. She didn't organize it well. I mean, no fan of hers really anticipated it to be organized well because she's kind of famous for her like disasters and having you know no ability to organize anything. It's and what being makes this her charming, <laughs> right? Um, but you know, um, a lot of reporters from the outside saw that and decided that, that, you know, her whole workshop was a scam. And so she got a ton of press coverage around that to the extent that she ended up naming the second sort of tour of her workshop slash meet and greet actually uh, the scam. Right. And there were comparisons to Fire Festival in there, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's just like everyone is so quick to call basically anything a Fire Festival. It wasn't a Fire Festival because it happened and her fans <laughs> went. And the fans that went actually had an amazing time and felt like the money was totally worth it. But I think from the outside in the media, people were calling it a scam. Yeah. And I want to get more into that because this whole podcast is going to be about like, what is a scammer and why do we yes. see them as heroes and anti-heroes? But I also think it's important to define what a meet and greet is because this is a thing that a lot of YouTubers and influencers do, right? It's they basically have fans come see them at a location and they get to take photos with them. And it's basically like paying fan service. But there's usually a fee involved. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, because Caroline Calloway isn't really like an influencer, um, she doesn't have any kind of brand partnership. She doesn't do, you know, any kind of promotional stuff on her feed um, that she's paid for. So one way that she makes money off her personal brand is by hosting meet and greets. And like you said, it's really common. I mean, this is how many influencers who are kind of getting away from branded content monetize. So, you know, 
Jake Paul might have one, which involves like him taking a selfie. And if you pay an extra, you know, $600, you get to hang out with him for a short amount of time or whatever. Caroline did one where you essentially come and you do this kind of writing slash creativity workshop with her. And then, you know, you get a, an Instagram photo to put on your own feed. And a mason jar of sorts, right? And a mason jar <laughs> with some kind of uh, flower plant clipping. Which honestly, like, if we're thinking about the entire influencer industry, like, that's kind of a wholesome way to make your money to support yourself. Yeah, I actually, you know, I'm a little bit sympathetic for Caroline because, you know, influencers are so constantly lambasted by the press and followers for, you know, selling out and doing these brand partnerships and how inauthentic it is. Um, So meet and greets are, you know, a more authentic quote unquote, way to monetize. And it seems kind of more like direct, like you're actually also interacting with your fans and giving them something as opposed to just selling to them. So I do think it's a friendlier way to monetize, I guess you could say. A friendlier way to monetize, right? Um, and so, yeah, she has been lambasted because, I mean, the reason everyone is talking about her is because there's there was an article in The Cut by a woman who ghost wrote her captions with her in the early days. Yeah, she co-wrote. She's she co-wrote. So basically back in her early days in like 2015, even before she got to Cambridge, this girl um co-wrote some Instagram captions and sort of helped her brainstorm ideas. And to be honest, I everyone does that. Like, I don't know. I kind of was like unshocked just because there's an entire business. Like there are, there are apps that are specifically created to like, to give you Instagram captions. And, you know, this is a whole industry. So the fact that like her really close friend at the time was sort of a co-collaborator on this Instagram account four years ago, um, it didn't really surprise me. I think what was unfair and really predatory was the way that Caroline treated that friend, which was to kind of like use her to also to ghostwrite her book proposal. Caroline is an aspiring writer and she writes on Instagram and she had gotten this half a million dollar book deal that it turns out was essentially, you know, mostly written by her friend. Right. And to be clear, like these captions may have been long, but there there wasn't necessarily like, and this is, I'm saying this from a place of love as a writer who has tried to be poetic. They weren't necessarily poetic. Like, they were pretty straightforward. Like, yeah, it's like blogging. I mean, yeah. it's kind of just, you didn't ghostwrite a novel. And by the way, again, I just want to reiterate this girl did not ghostwrite anything. She kind of co developed these captions with Caroline, which Caroline's been really explicit about and has since sort of acknowledged and edited all of those captions. So, sure. I do think that Natalie's story in the cut. It's been compelling to us because it um, it sort of hits at this type of female relationship that we've yes. all sort of had where, like, there's <laughs> one person who's, like, really fabulous and really outgoing and gets all the attention and is the star of the show. And then there's another person who's, like, you know, a little more shy. Like, maybe she's a brunette. The awkward <laughs> friend. Yeah. I know. <laughs> To be honest, I thought, like, to me, that was what was so compelling about this. I also feel like a lot of people in media are that, like, awkward friend. And I think that's also what helped it get a lot of traction initially. That's a great point. So many people being like, I was this person to this person. I personally, like, resonated so much, you know, like, so, um, and it's well written. I mean, her friend is an amazing writer, too, so— I think that's a really good point that that's the type of personality that resonates with the media and, and the media was the, they were the ones who were so obsessed with this. And I think Caroline is a kind of a great mark 
for that because Mm -hmm. everyone in the media is kind of obsessed with, you know, like moving their career forward, getting that book deal, like finding some kind of artistry in their work. And here, Carolyn Calloway was sort of deigning to deem herself like a historian and and a writer and an artist out on Instagram. And, And, you know, if you took a different path and you feel slightly bitter that you're not getting success or attention, like that's a person that you could make fun of to make yourself feel better. Yeah. I mean, she's such a scapegoat for so many things. But to me, it's just like this girl, I mean, it's kind of like when they found like Trump's tax returns from like the 90s or something that like from a time (laughs) that was like kind of irrelevant. It's like kind of like that where it's like, Okay, yeah, so this girl, like, co-wrote some captions in 2014. Like, it's almost 2020 now, and she's been writing, you know, multiple posts a day for now quite a long time and been very vocal and writes so much on her stories. Like, it's not like there's any kind of, like, dearth of Caroline Calloway writing out on the internet, you know? So I felt like it was too little too late. Like, uh, the time to come forward with that would have been, like, 2015 when she was getting— famous. Yeah. And yet she is labeled kind of like as a fraud by the media and the conversation, like right. all of when the follow-up really, coverage. Yeah. When she's not a fraud. I mean, she didn't, it's not like this girl has been ghostwriting. I mean, Caroline, anyone who follows her knows she literally just like vomits out words on her Instagram <laughs> account all day. I mean, right. I can't even keep up with the amount of stories Same. she posts. It's so, amazing. <laughs> I know. I was looking at it as I write like 600 words of my essay that feels like I'm getting blood drawn. And I was like, how does she just like post so much. Totally. And like for the amount she posts, like there aren't that many typos. Like bravo, girl. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So anyway. I want to read an excerpt from the essay because I think the essay itself created the comparison of her and other scammers. So I'm going to read that really quick. People ask me if she's a female Billy McFarlane, both characters from Ingrid Goes West, Anna Delvey with an art history degree. But I push back. If it was just money and fame she was after, all she had to do was be quiet and let me do the work. She could have been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, gone on the tour she always wanted, and recorded the audiobook in the beguiling voice of hers. But she had to be the one to tell her own life story, even if she couldn't. Caroline was caught between who she was and who she believed herself to be, which in the end may have been the most relatable thing about her. This is why when people ask me if Caroline is a scammer, I try to explain that if she is, her first mark is always herself. I thought that was a great summary I of it. I loved that paragraph. I literally screenshotted it because I thought it was such a good articulation of like what makes her the way that she is. I also think that the way that Natalie, her friend, wrote that— it draws a comparison like you like between her and people like Billy McFarland and Anna Delvey, but without sort of explaining that like it's not like she's a scammer, like she scammed people out of tons of money, but just that she, like everyone, deludes themselves, I guess, about who yeah. they are. And that is our <laughs> relationship with social media as well. Totally, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would call her not a scammer pretty adamantly, um, because she's never successfully scammed anything like like Natalie so accurately points out like had she just wanted fame and had she just truly been like most influencers like a stereotypical influencer like she would have just you know bought into this system she would have had a revolve sponsorship yeah (laughs) exactly exactly um but instead you know she's obsessed with this narrative and writing and I, I would say she also has this very symbiotic relationship with the media. Like, to me, she's much more of, like, 
a Julia Allison or Kat Marnell, where it's these people that court the press and they are very obsessed with like viewing themselves through the press. And in a way that like, I think is just different than most influencers who are happy to just kind of post and do SponCon and, you know, they don't consider themselves necessarily artists, I would say. Yeah, and Kat Marnell has been commenting on all of these posts being like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I know, it's kind of scary. I feel like, I mean, I saw Caroline asking for Coke on Instagram this past weekend. And it's like, girl, like, I, I mean, that's another thing about all this media coverage is that like the media loves a train wreck and they completely built this girl from nothing and then now, you know, are participating in this takedown of her. And it's right. just, it's so painful to watch from the outside. Yeah, and we should clarify, she has 800K followers, which in the world of influencers is actually not super a lot. She's well, like, and she right? and she bought a lot of them. So, yeah. I mean, like Natalie revealed too, she bought followers several times and she, she doesn't have a huge audience. I mean, the thing is, she ultimately has a very small but dedicated audience, but very small And that is also why all of these, you know, explainers explaining who who she is have gone viral and and performed so well and why every single media organization is doing them is because nobody actually really knows who she is. Like, it's not like she's some super famous lifestyle influencer that people in the know know. I mean, people like media people know her because she constantly baits the media, but— she doesn't have any kind of like widespread appeal, I guess I could say. Right. I think I was listening on Who Weekly and they were saying like the person yeah. that you Google in the debate is the one you don't know who they are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's a great, Who it's Weekly a great always metaphor. gets it right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, but sometimes those are the most compelling people because you, you know, all you know about them is this like narrative that's essentially been created around them. And so you kind of want to know more. And in Caroline's case, when you go to find more, you find this total train wreck, which is, you can't turn your eyes away from, so. Yeah, I mean, and we should say that her, she announced that her dad died, like, almost immediately. And then she, like, yeah. gave an interview to CNBC or something? NBC? NBC. NBC, NBC yeah. com. Uh, to be honest, no shade to NBC. I, I mean, I respect them, but I think interviewing someone two hours after their dad died is is. I don't know if that that's anything I would ever do. Yeah. All of it's just super raw and really out there. And I, I just never could imagine not having the interior life where I could process these things not out in public. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she wants—I guess to her, like, she considers it therapeutic. I think that, unfortunately, Caroline, which I don't know how much we've gotten into already, is an addict. I mean, she's an ad- admitted addict of Adderall. She says she's— recovering but not sober. I mean, she's posted many times over the past few weeks about cocaine and acid and and looking for drugs. And so it's sad. I mean, you're essentially watching this girl who has a known history of mental illness and addiction issues implode in real time. And the media is just like leeching onto it. So it kind of feels gross after a while. Yeah, yeah. It's not fun. And it's like the whole point of influencers is that these are supposed to be figures that we can use to fulfill some sort of entertainment gap in between when we're watching TV and we're watching movies. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I I think in this case, it's gotten gross. Like it's not, it's, we should give her some privacy and like people shouldn't be buying into it. Yeah. 
But so a lot of other stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should maybe move on. I do. I think it's interesting to discuss, and I hope that like this conversation wasn't necessarily part of that gawking. But you know, no, no, no. I think. I mean, I think the like interviews right after her dad died and and things like that are are you know. I think that she as a media figure is interesting to kind of deconstruct and um, think about, and she's definitely sort of like a new branch of influencer celebrity type of person. Um, but uh, but I yeah. hope she gets help. We're going to have to learn how to navigate these things more and more, I think. Yeah. But around the same time that this Caroline Calloway news is popping off, uh, people were out there sort of standing, uh, uh, offering early rave reviews on the movie Hustlers starring J-Lo. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. And I, I'm like dying to see it. I'm going to go this week. Yeah, I saw it last week. It was amazing. J-Lo is like a human muscle. Like, I just can't believe the things that she can do on a pole. It's astounding. I saw some quote from her when, like, she's saying, like, every girl has the muscles or something. This some girl's like, oh, <laughs> I don't so think I could do that. And she's like, every girl has the muscles. And I'm like, yeah, like, I have no. those muscles. They're, like, flaccid on my body somewhere. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. It's just like, if you put me up on that pole, I would fall right back down. <laughs> yeah. Um, the movie itself is based on a original New York Magazine story that came out a couple of years ago about these strippers in New York City who were drugging Wall Street dudes, like super rich Wall Street dudes, and running up their credit cards to the max and basically Robin Hooding the situation. And so in a way, they are one of our OG scam stories from the early 2010s, right? Yeah. I mean, this was, I I think, um, right after the financial crisis, I think, is when a lot of this was going down. And so there was this kind of notion of, like you said, robbing from the rich to give to people who need it. And I think the woman who J-Lo plays, she saw the movie herself. I saw this weekend at South Street Seaport. I was just looking at the paparazzi photos. Um, and <laughs> she uh, basically was just like, I, you know, I was just trying to feed my child. I wasn't thinking of any kind of like broader narrative. But I think that it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we like stories like this because it's like, the good scam, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like cathartic. I think that's what we love about a lot. I mean, so many scams. It's like the people that that deserve to get taken get had, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, and I also think that there's something to be said, like each scam that has sort of blown up over the couple of years, you know, we, there was a summer of the scam and yeah. it's just in style randomly. <laughs> I mean, not randomly because it's based on our own American culture. But I think each scam sort of, puts the spotlight on a different inaccessible area of culture that either feels out of reach for the average person or just completely like snobby or Mm -hmm. like this upper crust inaccessible group of people who you always suspect something weird is going down. And so there's a a satisfaction when they get got in some form. Yes. Yeah. It feels like justice. It feels like you're getting justice. And I felt that way when I was watching this, like, just, like, them drugging these men. I was just like, fuck yes. <laughs> I can't begin to explain, like, how angry I was just because I, you know, I had, like, lived through the recession, I guess. And I was just like, these people stood as placeholders for, like, all of the crazy stuff that went down in the subprime market. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, they kind of did this to us. So you want to see them 
get taken advantage of. Also, it's just like it's it's female empowerment. You know what totally. I mean? It's like <laughs> it's like women taking back you know money that they probably deserve more than these crooks. So right, they have um, children to feed. Like yeah, they're, they're the caretakers. Yeah. <laughs> And I think, like, Anna Delvey is also a great example of that, but in a different area of New York society. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, we focus on New York society specifically because they're, like, the class system there is so on display in so many ways. Just it's, like, out on the street. And, you know, you know when, like, you can't go to a place. Like, there's Soho House and then there's a bar down the street. Like, there's all these sort yeah. of structures built in. And she just sort of, like, expertly figured out a way to navigate this high society group of like high spenders to the point where like it almost seemed like she believed it herself. That was the interesting thing. Yeah, that was so compelling because especially as a New Yorker, you just read it and you're like, oh, these people are just as phony and crazy as you think. Um, and the one thing I felt kind of bad for is like her best friend, Anna Delvey's like friend that had loaned her all that money. I mean, oh, yeah. that was like Rachel Williams kind of fucked up. Yeah, because it's like, oh man, like I've lent my friends money. And it it kind of like Anna Delvey to me is is like Caroline Calloway-esque, where, you know, she's kind of using people for certain things and whether she means to or not, she kind of ends up screwing them over, you know? Like I think Anna Delvey at the time was kind of like promising a lot. I mean, she was so different in a lot of ways. I think she was committing wire fraud, but yeah, yeah. she's uh, doing a lot of yeah, but, sketch yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. New York society is so endlessly fascinating. And I just feel like it's there's this like my favorite story I've ever written is called like the number one girl. It's a New York magazine cover story from I think 2007 or eight about the battle of socialite rank, this website that ranked socialites back at the time and oh, yeah. the battle between Olivia Palermo and Tinsley Mortimer. It's oh my so God. good. It's just <laughs> these two socialites like battling it out to like get rated higher by this website that turned out to be run by total randos. And I was just like, what a good like explanation of the internet at whole. Totally. Well, and it's like they have to be emanating like white hot confidence in order to make that happen. Like, yeah, that was the Anna Delvey thing, too. Like she was just able to command the room because like she made you believe that she she was that person. Yeah. And you just wonder how much she's deluding herself to believing that, you know? Yeah. Delusion. Again, another theme that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. You can't be a scammer unless you're totally deluded about yourself. Right. But like the funny thing is, it's like people still will like fangirl. Like I remember when she was like appearing in court, people were like noting her outfit. And it was almost like there was a a Delvey hive for a moment. Yeah. Billy McFarlane, I think, is probably a more villainous person on the spectrum of scammers. Would you say? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't kill anyone. Like he didn't put anyone in like super a lot of danger, but I would say like mild danger, like maybe dehydration. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he preyed on all the poor locals. Like that's what I thought the Netflix documentary got into much more than the Hulu one is like on on Firefest is just that like he, you know, planned this elaborate event, Firefest, which ended up being a total bust. And like it sucks for all the like people that, you know, lost their $10,000 tickets, like, haha, right? But, like, 
I just felt so bad for all the locals that never got paid. and For sure. Well, and he himself is this funny representative because he's basically like a hype man like who was taking advantage of other rich people. So yeah. no one really felt bad about the situation. Like when, when we were all watching it unfold in real time on social media, we were like, haha, look at your lame sandwiches. Like you paid all this money to be at right, this exactly. festival. But yeah, I mean, afterwards when you saw that there was like a sort of ripple effect within the local community, that was not cool. Um, he himself like really underlined how easy it was to manipulate social media to make something seem like it's something it's not. Seem like it's something it's not. That's what I thought was like, I, th- I think also just kind of like what made that story so huge is like it was kind of this like way to talk about like the whole Instagram versus reality phenomenon because um, it was just it was so clear. I I was actually at this like influencer marketing conference in LA in July that was a total bust. Like, I mean, there was like no one there. It was so weird. Oh my God. But I was, I, I was like, why am I even here? I left after a few hours. But like, um, and the sponsors were all like had abandoned their booths because there was just no <laughs> one there. It was really sad. But I was looking at people's posts on social media. And I guess because everyone there is like in the influencer industry, they want it to seem so amazing. But they were like hyping it up. And I was just like, this is why no one believes anything on the Internet. Um, yeah. And there's just such flimsy standards. I mean, that has been an issue in the influencer economy for a long time. There's flimsy standards for what you can advertise and how you can advertise it, right? Yeah, yeah. There is, like, no standards, basically. You were—I think you were on, like, a panel after that, like, talking to Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, God, that was so random. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you asked her about that, like, how she's screening now. What did she say? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was on this, like, Yahoo—I w- I was supposed to be the guest on this Yahoo Finance panel, <laughs> and then they brought in another guest who was Emily Ratajkowski. So I was like, <laughs> okay, well— <laughs> I'm not really the guest of honor anymore. So then I just asked her like a couple random questions. But I think the, yeah, the one thing I asked was like, you know, how are you screening brand deals now? And I think that unfortunately, I mean, people like Emily Ratajkowski don't screen their own stuff. I mean, the people who advertised Firefest, like Bella Hadid and all of these models, like that was all organized through these management companies and publicists. So, you know, some of them didn't even really understand what they were appearing in. So, but they're ultimately held accountable. So I think that if you're an influencer, you have to just be more aware and you have to have a PR and and management team that's that knows that like any blowback, it's like a celebrity endorsement is going to go on you. Right. Yeah. So there, it needs to be taken more seriously. You can't just like you know, cash the check and be like, sure, whatever. I endorse right. this snake oil thing. Totally. And then, you know, so he didn't kill anyone. That's fine. But I do think like Elizabeth Holmes might be like the most yes. villainous on the end of the spectrum. Like if we were ranking all the scammers that we've spoken to or we've spoken about, Elizabeth Holmes put a lot of people in danger. She was the head of Theranos and she embodied this classic sort of tech founder, like mysterious tech founder who wore a black turtleneck just like Steve Jobs and spoke in this like deep, deep voice and talked a big game. She talked up her company as if it was going to be revolutionary, as if it was going to change how we take blood samples forever. And it turned out to be an entire scam. John Kerry, you chronicles it in his excellent book. Um, but but a lot of people were put in danger. And I think this is just a great example of like a person's confidence and desire to push 
their idea forward no matter what, just basically at all costs. Like it just astounded me all of the insane stuff she was doing in that book. That book, which is called Bad Blood, is yes. literally I read it in like a day and a half because I couldn't put it down. But yeah, it's crazy. I mean, her negligence and delusion again, where she sees herself as this like once in a generation, like revolutionary founder, and she actually hasn't done anything. Like she can't even make a blood testing machine work right. And she's, you know, an awful person, it sounds like, created this terrible toxic work atmosphere. So yeah, I mean, like, I, I think like the reason that one was so compelling is it exposed the whole bullshit of Silicon Valley and how like so many of these startups are just scams, you know, and unverified. Yeah. And like I Juicero. Think, oh my God. Do you remember right. Juicero? <laughs> <laughs> the Juicero background story for our dear listeners is that they came up with these like extremely expensive juice juicers where like you had to buy these pre-made like bags full of greens and then Juicero would like press them into a cup and it would be like very fancy. You like, basically bought a bag of juice and you put it into the juicer and then was it, it spit wasn't out juice. it full of like like vegetables like no or whatever. It was like <laughs> it was like pureed though. It was like already processed oh, to an extent. Interesting. Yeah. Like you can just it's like put, a carrig for juice, right? Yeah. Right. It, which when you put it that way, Alyssa, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I know how to do a pitch. Okay. <laughs> but um, but I think like it seemed kind of insane because juice is already juice and it was just squeezing. <laughs> Cheers. Right. And I think it was Bloomberg that discovered that you didn't need the really expensive apparatus to squeeze the juice. You could just do it with your hands. You just <laughs> grab a bag of juice and squeeze it into the uh, cup. And yeah. I feel like that's such a, like, that's maybe my favorite illustration of like the Silicon Valley scam because that company got millions, billions of dollars worth of investment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, it, and like their CEO was this guy who would like, just like out at Burning Man. He was like a total hippie. Like, I like that story better than the um, Theranos one because the Theranos one is like dark. Harmful and, and dark. Harmful, and <laughs> yeah. But I Juicero know. is just like, this is hilarious. Like no one thought that you could just squeeze it with your hands. It's so funny. Um, the I think the Varsity Blues scandal was a, a really amazing one just because we had such great material from um, th this is the college admission scandal where 33 parents from high society, including a few celebrities like Felicity Huffman, they were caught basically bribing institutions to run up SAT scores or get their kids in on a sports scholarship when they didn't play that sport and was revealed in a very dramatic fashion by the FBI. There were a lot of essays on this that made me really think about like what I believed as a young high schooler about college, that it yeah. was a meritocracy and like basically all of the value I put into acceptance, like it was essentially a, me feeling legitimized by an institution that I should. I felt, yeah, yeah, I kind of felt similar, but I think I had an opposite view of college. I didn't want to go to college because I thought there was this really, really dumb kid that I knew growing up that got into Harvard, basically like because he was a super legacy. And I just remember being like, a sophomore or junior and or yeah, I was junior when he was a freshman. And I was just like, Oh, like this is all total bullshit. Like if this like stupid guy can get into Harvard, like that means nothing, you know? And I, <laughs> I felt so validated when all of this came out. Cause I was just like, you know what? I knew it. Like, and, and I think that's like, unfortunately, you know, all these people go into student loan debt being told that, 
you know, there's this like elite class of people and and you get into these good schools and it's like, it's all a sham. Yeah, totally. Um, I just think like higher education in general is, is, I think people are starting to realize what a scam it is. Yeah, the, um, I was reading the Gia Tolentino's essay about the seven scams in her new book, which is awesome. And she does a really great job, as she always does, of connecting every single major moment in American history to this idea of scamming. Like, that's basically the way to get ahead and prosper in America. And if you're not doing it, you're actually the fool. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is like, it's it's just a great example. Like, I mean, she, she just has a, a really good eye for picking this out and realizing like, actually, meritocracy is not part of American culture. It's not about working hard. Like Alexis de Tocqueville is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's about actually just like finding a way to abuse trust for profit. Yeah. I mean, that is full on American. There's nothing about our society's equal or a meritocracy, like you said. So I have to read it. Everything she writes is so good. I have to, I have her book. I haven't started it yet. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I mean, it, it's basically taking everything we talked about today and weaving it together with beautiful words. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I do, I do wonder whether or not you think all of these scammers are going to go down in history as heroes of some sorts. Like, are they Robin Hood's are we going to eventually have a more nuanced understanding of how to treat these people in society? I would say one thing that like strikes me is like I write a lot about young people, I guess you could say, like middle schoolers and high schoolers. And they're like, at least the ones I talk to are like nihilists in a way where they're just like, I like, it's like a full embrace of capitalism where it's like, look, like this world, I know that everything's a scam and I know everything's bullshit. So like, I'm just going to try to play this game as much as I can. I just feel like in a way where I, like maybe people like millennials or older, it's like you really bought into this system and you were always told about this system. And at least like it kind of makes me feel better that like young people are at least like, oh, yeah, I know this is all bullshit. Because that makes you feel better, you know, <laughs> even though then they're like exploiting it to an extent that like, uh, you know, they're going to surpass all of us. But like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I, I do wonder how that will play out, like who the Gen Z scammers will be. And like, there's you know. so many of them, though. That's the thing. Like every single second there's a new team. Like, I mean, this is what I mean about like not even knowing what scam is newsworthy. Like, I feel like 10 times a day I hear about some like super insane elaborate scam that these kids have done to get money and they've gotten a lot of money. And I'm like, is every teenager just like running a pyramid scheme? Like it sounds like it <laughs> what, is. What is an example of that? I'm, I'm curious. Are you talking about like the egg or something? Uh, no, which I don't think was like a real scam. That was just a stunt. Yeah. Um, and I think that guy was kind of older. Um, right, no, right. I mean like creating, you know, some fake meme page, buying lots of followers, telling people to DM you for promotion and then wiping it or selling sure. an Instagram account and then not, or like, I mean, more, more, I mean, or a lot of them getting funding for companies that never take off or, you know, creating elaborate schemes where like ambassador type schemes where it's like, you'll be my brand ambassador. You just have to pay me. Um, <laughs> there's like, there's just so many things like that, or there's all these, you know, Bitcoin related ones where it's like, I, I feel like kids also understand crypto. And I'm like, I don't understand crypto. Yeah. But they, I don't know, a bunch of kids were like, can you write about this crypto scam? Like this guy stole, you know, 
$10,000 worth of ether. And I'm like, you're 13. Where'd you get the money to buy $10,000 worth of it? (laughs) So I'm from Silicon Valley and I have a little brother who's in high school there. And he's running a scam on the side. No, no, I would would never out my brother on the podcast. I would be like part of the scam. We got to have him him. on. (laughs) Um, No, but he was saying that like he had uh, someone he knew in high school who like straight up made a bunch of money off of Bitcoin and then just like moved out of his parents' house and like, I mean, I don't know if it's real. Like maybe my little brother is just exaggerating, but like <laughs> apparently moved out of his parents' house and like drives a Maserati or something. Wow, American <laughs> dream. He just, still, he just still goes to high school. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. I like the idea of like changing your lifestyle so much, but then simultaneously not changing your lifestyle yeah, just at all. Like, oh, I don't have to live with mom anymore, but I'll still continue to go to high school. Yeah. <laughs> I just think like, I guess like young people always like subvert the system in, in interesting ways. And I think that like, at least I think because of all these scams and all this awareness around scams and kind of like backlash against some of these institutions that like we were taught to buy into for so long, like it just gives me hope because I'm like, good, like we don't need more people buying into this like, you know, broken bullshit that all these like boomers have been parroting for decades. Like we need something to change. And it makes sense that we were raised under like the Obama administration and came out like super starry eyed and like hope and, you know, yeah. like, people will be good. And then like all of these Gen Z people are witnessing a Trump administration and they're like, this dude is a scammer. Like he got to be president. Like, why wouldn't we be scammers? Yeah. And like respect because you played the system and you won. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you so much for being yeah, on this podcast. Thank you for Taylor. having me. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, guys. Bye.